How do kiddos? How do? Darren Clarkson podcast. Yeah. As normal, listen back to some of the early episodes. Episodes, epically are taking. Listen back to some of the earlier episodes for the way the introduction should work. Because this sort of has become the de facto introduction, hasn't it? By saying listen to the early episodes. Right. Let's crack on. We're going to talk about gear. And uh, just because I'm a bit of a gear whore, I love it. Uh, my last few episodes have talked about you know buying buying gear and reuse, refuse, recycle, and how gear choices and environmental concerns should be for everyone. Now, I'm not going to talk about that now. I'm going to talk about making sure you've got gear that works for you. Right. Before I even go into that, I'm going to talk a little bit about Star Wars. You know, the George Lucas' stuff, not the Disney stuff, really. Uh, because only a Sith deals in absolutes. And... Uh, what I'm saying today, while it's coming out of my mouth, is not an absolute, is it? It's my sort of opinion, and I could be wrong, and you can argue with me on that, and I'm okay with that. You know, I won't do a podcast and talking to you either if I didn't believe that people would argue with me, and I'm okay with that. All right? So if you've got any comments about the stuff I'm saying, bang it in the comments section of the podcast or in the comments section of the social post, and I might address it at another time. I might not, I might ignore it. Uh, which is just like the feedback from a podcast, isn't it? Right, let's crack on, right? Have you guys, guys, have you guys and girls and dogs and cats and budgies heard of a guy called Jim Thorpe? Jim Thorpe, legend. Legend Jim Thorpe. Anybody? Anybody at the back of the class heard of Jim Thorpe? Oh, one hand goes up. What's that? You've heard of Jim Thorpe? You've been looking at social media? Yeah, sh- shaking the head there. Uh, Jim Thorpe on social media. Black and white photograph uh, of Jim Thorpe. Jim Thorpe's not a paddler. Uh, he is an Olympian, an American Olympian. Track and field. Quite a famous photograph of him from 1912. He was the first American, Native American uh, Olympian which is important, but not really important for the point I'm making. What's important in the photograph of the 1912 Olympics is Jim Thorpe in his regulation US kit, you know, a white T-shirt with the US Olympic logo on and white shorts. And you look down at his feet and he's got a black sock on and a white sock on, which, while is unusual, is nothing like really untoward. People wear socks all the time because there's a thing in my washing machine at least, maybe in yours, that turns socks into Tupperware lids. And you put a pair of socks in, but you only get one back, and then miraculously a Tupperware lid appears in your cupboard. And uh, if you look closer at this photograph, you're going to see that Jim Thorpe's not only got odd socks, he's got odd shoes on. So he's got odd shoes on and odd socks. He won two gold medals. Uh, with odd socks and odd shoes on. His shoes got stolen before the competition. Before his events, and uh, he found some shoes in a bin. One fit him, and one was a size too big. So the one that's a size too big, he had to wear an extra sock on that foot. But he still won two gold medals. Right, let's pop. We've got Jim Thorpe. Stick him in one corner, right? Right now, we look at some paddlers. I can't make that ferry glide. I'm in this boat. It's not good enough for this ferry glide. 
Well, where's that then? I can't make this paddle, this river journey with these paddles. They're not my usual length. I use 197 and these are 194. I'm a class 4 paddler. Unless I paddle a half slice boat, then I'm only a class 3 paddler. See where I'm going with this? You know? See where I'm going? I hear it quite a lot how people say they're a class X paddler when they're in the creek boat. I'm a class 4 paddler when I'm in my creek boat, but I'm only a class 3 paddler when I'm in my half slice. If both those boats are designed to paddle class 4, they are both suitable for class 4 with the skills and knowledge uh, required for class 4. You don't have the skills and knowledge for class 4, do you? It could be argued. Because you can't paddle class 4 in X boat, but you can do it in Y. Similarly, I only use 197 paddles. I've heard people say, I can't use 194s. You can use 194s, you choose not to. You know? Also, let's be honest, 197, as an example of paddle length, is very arbitrary. It's incredibly arbitrary because not all 197s are created equal. Let's use Werner Powerhouse 197 for example. That's quite a popular length and a popular blade. The way the blade attaches to the shaft on the throat is completely different to something like a Letman Ergonom. So would you be a 197 with a Letman Ergonom? I doubt it very much. Okay, I do doubt it. Would you, for example, feel comfortable going from one bench shaft paddle, let's use our Werner Powerhouse again on a bench shaft, to another bench shaft, let's use a summer paddle, both bench shafts. No, they are not the same bend, are they? We know this. We have seen them in pictures. If we haven't seen them in pictures, we have seen them in real life. And we may have used them. All paddles are different for their length. 197s, they are completely different for their length. The way they interact with the water, the way they interact with the user. It's a rough guide, but it ain't factual in that respect. You know, to go from brand to brand. It's a good little sort of ballpark, isn't it? Just because you've had a 197 in one brand, if you can get 197 in another, it's a good ballpark, you know. Puts you in the sort of right arena rather than thinking to yourself, oh, well, I can get 188s or something. You know, gives you a good idea. Right, let's look at buoyancy aids. I love a good buoyancy aid, me. What I don't love about buoyancy aids is there's hundreds of them to choose from on the market. And... But it gives us loads of choice, doesn't it? And that's ace. So that's a positive. It's ace. Loads of choice, loads of colours. Some have got big pockets, some have got small pockets. Some have got no pockets. Some have got harnesses. Rescue harnesses and things. You know? Some have got really nice webbing shoulder straps. Some are just tack stitched. Some have got outside knife fobs. Some have got little lash points for putting your emergency beacon and your strobe on. Loads of different reasons for your PFDs. Now, I saw somebody on the river at the weekend who was wearing a, I think they're called a high float or a high back PFD. They're the sort that are designed for people in sit-on-tops. 
and fishing recreation set on top because they're tight boats where the back of the seat comes quite high, like a deck chair seat, mini deck chair seat. So the PFD doesn't have foam on the sort of lower spine. All the foam's around the mid-back and higher. Uh, so you can lean back against the seat without sort of impeding movement. And then at the front, you've probably got, as you may have got a zip, a couple of pockets and a little clippy waist. Uh, pockets for your tackle box, I imagine, or your Bud Light, or your cigar, or, or whatever that may be. Maybe for your, your sort of fly snips, and maybe your priest, uh, and that sort of stuff. Great little, great PFD, great invention. Uh, specific PFD for the task it's designed for. Not really suitable to a white water environment, for many reasons. Uh, just like you wouldn't wear a CAG deck with PFD built in on a whitewater safety rescue course or an expedition uh, for obvious reasons and if the reasons aren't obvious then perhaps you need to go on a course so you know the obvious reasons uh, just, just like wearing a CAG deck in creaky environments can be a bit dubious and uh, there's some serious, uh, safety mitigation you need to do on a couple of a cag deck and creaking. Uh, and if you don't know the the reasons for that, then again, I urge you to go on a course. Or ask me some questions uh, in the comments below. So, this high back, high floaty, tarry, sit on top fishy PFD in a white water environment, is that the best tool for the job? No. Uh, Class 2, 3, white, white environment? Probably not. Probably going to be alright. Is it class 0 to class 1? Probably. Guy was using a crossover touring white water boat with skegging deck lines. Is that boat suitable for that environment? Uh, many would argue yes. Some would argue no. Deck lines, personally, in a white water environment, especially with overhanging trees, big no no. Skeg, mm, dubious usage in a whitewater situation, uh, but retractable, so probably going to be all right. Decline's big no-no. Quite like the boat he had, I'm not going to say which brand it was, but there's only a couple of brands on the market that make that boat, and it was one of them. I quite like it. Uh, I've had a couple of them. Have I ever used them in a whitewater environment? Yes. Did I take the decline's off? Yes. Did I take the skeg out? Yes. Right. So that's it. That's that, isn't it? Make sure you're getting the right craft. If you are seeking advice, it's Christmas time. And if you're doing your shopping now for Christmas, so you're cutting it a bit fine, but maybe your paycheck's not come yet. If Santa Claus is bringing you some products for Christmas, please get advice on the product. Don't buy the product and work out and then find out it's wrong for you because it's quite expensive. Uh, I can even put you in danger, you know. I'm sure we've all seen uh, recently there's been a thing on social media about helmet safety. Uh, unsponsored have, uh, have shared it on their site, on their review site, about which helmets are good for your Swede and which helmets are bad for your Swede. Now, it probably comes as no surprise that the Swede Strutter and the WRSI don't fare very well, but they do look pretty cool, right? Now, for me, I've got a strutter that I wear in deep water. And I don't wear it on rocky ditches. 
because I don't want my head to be smashed to bits. But I do wear it in the sun, in warm environments, in deep water. Mitigate against it, don't I? You know? Worth looking at that. Worth looking at before you go buying stuff. Right stuff for the right tools for the job. Let's go back to Jim Thorpe and his shoes. Odd shoes. What shoes do you wear for river running? This is just going off topic. What shoes do you wear for river running? Do you wear little wetsuit booties? Slippy slidey, neoprene, keep your feet toasty but give you no traction. Booties. Yeah, some of you do. I do in, in uh, a few of my boats because I can't get any in my shoes. Uh, I've got some astrals, shoelacey things, you know, like look like trainers, look like skate shoes, look like vans. Uh, really cool to wear, you know, you, you feel like you're the kiddie on the block, you know. Are they any good? Yeah, they're fine. Like They've got a decent grip and the blue and the, the match me helmet and yeah, they're fine. have got shoelaces on. Shoelaces and you've got those little bolts inside your boat near your footrest. Problematic if you don't do your laces up properly, your loops properly. Could you get them caught? Uh, unlikely but possible, you know. Clean lines and all that. Neoprene booties tend not to have that. Smooth, 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 smooth. Should you wear sliders in your boat or flip flops? Probably not. Yeah, probably not. Especially in a white water environment. Should you walk to the river with your playboat? And have flip-flops, sliders, or crocs. Not not crocs. Never crocs, right? Crocs are the best contraceptive footwear on the planet. No, never have them, right? If we all wore crocs, there would be no more, uh, like, population. There'd be population control, right? Crocs are the least, least sexy, least cool pieces of equipment ever. As somebody who's had a few pairs in their time, right? Just, no, no, no one fancies people in crocs, right? Don't buy them. And if you're going to buy them, don't leave them outside your tent in India where it's 42 degrees where they melt and shrink and then you can't wear them anyway. Don't do that, speaking from experience. Okay, should you wear Crocs in your to, to walk to the river? Nah, I think all these things are, need mitigating against. If you're slalom paddling, you can probably get away with neoprene socks with your slides or your crocs or whatever they may be uh, rattling around in your boat if you're slalom training on a piece of water similarly with freestyle you know if you've got a freestyle boat and you're park and playing in a hole do you need to wear creaking shoes probably not you know but you're going to wear your, your socks out if you walk up and down that bank in bare socks all the time uh should you have some sort of foot coverage yeah i'm pretty certain you should do i always nah Sometimes paddle barefoot, you know, just like when you go hiking to Everest Base Camp and you are told to wear a good set of shoes and yet the porters are wearing flip-flops. It's all about foot placement, isn't it? And watching and learning and growing up in the environment where you're not going to stub your toes. And when you do stub your toes, you're on stupid fault, you know. Do I run barefoot sometimes? Yeah, less so the more mileage I'm doing. Did I stub my toe when I ran barefoot? No. Do I stub my toe when I wear shoes? All the time. You know? Did I ever fall over running barefoot? Nah, can't remember. Do I fall over while I wear my trail shoes? All the time. 
because I don't watch where I put my feet because I've got shoes on and, you know, loads of cushioning and I think my feet are super, got superhuman powers, but they haven't, have they? It's a pair of coffin, foot coffins, aren't they? Uh, so, I, you know, if you give yourself some vulnerability on your feet every now and then, then you're going to learn to put your feet in the right places, aren't you? Especially when you walk around town. How many people walk to the bin barefooted? Yeah, me. I, quite often, I don't wear shoes. I barely wear shoes uh, if I'm just walking from the house to my car. Uh, or to the bin, or to any of that stuff. I barely wear shoes. So, I just don't like them. don't like shoes at all. But do I wear them when I'm walking on riverbanks? Yeah. Of course I do. Except, you know, in brackets, sometimes I don't. Right. 16 minutes in. About gear, innit? We talk about buoyancy, it's helmets. We've spoken about boats. We've spoken about Jim and his odd shoes, paddles. Oh, darling, we haven't spoken about Cagdex and creaking. <sighs> right, Cagdex and creaking. Have I worn a Cagdex for creaking? Yes. Right. Does a Cagdex have dangers for creak boating? Yes. I know I said put it in the comments, but I'm going to tell you now. Right, if you wear Cagdex for creaking and you get pinned, Okay, you cannot, and you can't reach your tab handle to pull your skirt. You cannot get out of your boat. That's pretty simple, right? Whereas if you're in a regular deck, CAG combination, dry suit, CAG combination, you can wriggle out of your centre tube. Can't do that if it's a CAG deck, right? Without being cut out of it. And I know people that have been cut out of their CAG decks, right? Should you wear a CAG deck PFD combo, you know, a peak, I think Heiko, I'm sure there's somebody else that does like a buoyancy built into a dry top, built into a CAG uh, for freestyle and slalom. Should you wear one of those for creaking? No! Shouts from the back. Okay. Should you use one of those for creaking if you haven't got the money to buy a proper creaking setup? Shouts in the back. But I really want to go creaking with my mates. Save up. Not just your safety, is it? It's their safety too. Okay. But they are pretty sexy bits of kit and they've got a really good use uh, and application thereof. But know it. Know how you can use it. Right, I've rattled on. There's nothing there in absolutes. If you can take anything away from this 20 minutes, and that's Jim, Jim Thorpe. You don't have to have the best shiny kit to make the best choices. Two gold medals, odd shoes, odd socks, right? You don't have to have the latest and the greatest. What you do have to have is the skillness and the knowledge to use the equipment you've got correctly. You know, like back in the day with Prion's toe tether, on the boats, we learned that that was a load of bobbins, just like we've learned that having cow's tails all the time is a load of bobbins. Uh, just like we've learned loads and loads of stuff, right? That can be bobbins. People having webbing slings with carabiners on tucked up the dry cags. A couple of years back, they were all the rage for quick rescues. Now we've learned loads of bobbins, right? Know what's good for you. Know what works for you. Only a Sith deals in absolutes. Uh, but there are some absolutes that are definitely absolutes, you know. 
like don't go using the sea kayak, you know, on the Stikine. It's probably an absolute until it's not, you know. Don't go taking a player boat down the Fairy Glen. D- definitely don't take a squirt boat down the Glen, like Chippy Powell. Uh, but obviously you can take a squirt boat down the Glen because it's been done. Don't take a hydro speed down the Fairy Glen. They're not designed for going down the Glen. They've been done. I'm pretty, pretty sure it was Phil Blaine took one down. Do not take a traditional open boat down the Fairy Glen. Phil Blaine took one down. I'm pretty sure. Could have been Lowe Collins. Right. Nothing is absolute. Right. It's just about your knowledge base and expanding that. Hope you enjoyed this podcast. If you didn't, there's not much I can do about it. Uh, apart from say, uh, a lot less. And I've not drunk any tea or coffee on this podcast. So I hope you've enjoyed my non-slurping. Anyway, I told my neighbour I was getting a tattoo for Christmas. And they didn't seem bothered. But they were bothered when the bagpipers turned up. Hey, hey. And on that note, I'll catch you later.